What does it mean to meditate on scripture? It is an essential but often misunderstood part of the Christian life. It's what we're talking about today. Welcome to Filter. Hey guys, welcome to Filter. My name is Aaron Champ. This is a podcast where we seek to equip you with biblical clarity to live in our chaotic world. In Psalm 1, it describes the righteous, those who follow God, as being like a tree. Like this tree that is planted near a flowing stream. And the, this tree is thriving and flourishing, though it lives in a hostile environment. Um, it, it's this metaphor that we find there in Psalm 1 and in another place in the Old Testament. Um, and, and so from this narrative, we see this image of the tree in a desert or some kind of hostile environment where uh, life usually does not flourish. But because of the tree's plantedness next to the streams of flowing water, there is life. And it says that this is how the righteous live. They are the kind of people who can be uh, surviving and thriving even in a hostile environment. But what is their secret to thriving in a hostile or chaotic world? The secret is in verse 2. It says, His delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. The secret to becoming like this uh, strong, flourishing tree, according to Psalm chapter 1, is through meditating upon the Word of God. So, as I said in the intro, you know, this is something that's often misunderstood, and so we wanted to equip you with understanding and also understanding how to practice it in this episode. And so, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you uh, what meditation is and then how to practice it. So let's just talk about uh, what meditation is. Um, Because I find that some believers, and even myself at certain times in the past, some believers are often very apprehensive when it comes to the subject of meditation or biblical meditation. Because um, as far as we know, or, or according to the majority of our exposure just to the word meditation, it is connected to uh, non-Christian worldviews, whether it is some kind of an Eastern worldview, New Age spirituality, transcendental uh, practice of meditation, or something of the sort. This is the most exposure that we have to this term, which is sad because it shows that we're not teaching on it as much as we should in the church. And so this makes us apprehensive, makes us nervous, makes us not really want to engage with this subject. And so we just kind of stay in the dark about it. But we cannot stay in the dark and we cannot fear uh, meditation uh, because of two reasons. The first one is that meditation is mentioned repeatedly in Scripture. Let me give you just a few examples. In Psalm chapter 19, verse 14, it says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Psalm 143, verse 5, it says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. In the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 8, uh, Joshua is speaking to the people of Israel. And, and listen to what he commands them. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. So, not only is meditation repeatedly mentioned throughout Scripture, it is also commanded to people who follow God. So that's the first reason why we cannot fear it, we cannot avoid it. The second reason is because 
Um, once we understand what it is, we understand that Christian meditation is not just different, but it is the opposite of Eastern or transcendental meditation. Here's what I mean by that. So the goal of Eastern meditation, Eastern or, or transcendental meditation, is to empty the mind. The idea is that through emptying the mind uh, and through what, what emptying the mind means is disengaging oneself from uh, the faculty of reason or disengaging oneself from rationality. Through emptying the mind, disengaging from rationality, uh, you will reach some kind of an insight. The only way that that insight, uh, that, that spiritual or emotional or life insight is reached and you are connected with whatever the divine is, is through emptying the, the mind, disengaging from rationality. That's what, um, simply put, Eastern worldviews believe. But Christian meditation and meditation in the Christian worldview is the complete opposite. Eastern meditation says, empty your mind to reach insight. Christian meditation says, fill your mind in order to reach insight. You see, whereas on the one hand, Eastern and transcendental forms of meditation tell you to empty your mind and disengage from rationality. Christian meditation says, no, uh, deeply engage your mind, deeply engage rationality, fill your mind with the truths of scripture, and then you will reach insight. This is what biblical meditation is. Biblical meditation is an active pondering, right? That is so, that is our mind's our, our faculty of reason and rationality, deeply engaging upon the content of Scripture, it is an active pondering of the content of Scripture in order to pursue insight. So it is through engaging the mind, it is through filling the mind with the truth of God that we reach insight. And this is what it means to do Christian meditation. And so Christian meditation or biblical meditation is filling up your mind with the truths of Scripture in an effort to work them down into your heart. Because often that's what we're trying to do. In living the Christian life, we often find, and I, I find this in myself all the time, a disconnect between the beliefs of our head and the beliefs of our heart. Our head believes one thing and, and, and is holding on to, to one truth uh, about God's word and uh, wanting to obey his word and so on. But often we find our heart believing something else or, or the loves and desires of our heart not completely aligned with the truth that we're believing in our head. The way that you connect those two things is through Christian meditation, through that active pondering of the word until you reach insight. You, you can think of it as it is a deep engagement and filling of the mind in order to try to push and work that truth down into our heart until it transforms the heart. Uh, Bartholomew Ashwood was an English Puritan divine, and he described meditation this way. Back in the 1600s, he said, meditation, choose the cud. He's referencing something that a lot of us, that might go over a lot of our heads. He's referencing the practice of, uh, if you've ever seen a field of cows, or, or maybe uh, you live on a farm or near a farm, and so you see cows frequently, and they stand there in the fields, and they chew the grass, and they just will take some grass and they'll chew and chew and chew and chew just forever, right? Uh, that is chewing the cud, right? It is this ongoing uh, sucking out every bit of uh, nutrient and breaking down uh, that, that grass. And so that's what he is referring to. And he says, meditation is chewing the cud. 
He said, and gets the sweetness and nutritive virtue of the word into the heart and life. This is the way the godly bring forth much fruit. And so once again, it is a very active, deep engagement with scripture, chewing the cud of scripture to get out of it the sweetness and nutritive virtue for our heart and life. Uh, The great reformer, Martin Luther, said, with practice, one can take the chapter of Holy Scripture and use it as a pocket lighter to kindle a flame in the heart. So he says, meditation is that pocket lighter that we use to connect what is happening in our head to set aflame our heart. And so, once again, meditation is to think deeply upon Scripture and apply it to the heart until the beliefs of your head and your heart are aligned. So how do you practice it? Let me give you three simple steps to practicing biblical meditation so that you can experience those life-giving, nutritive effects of chewing the cut of Scripture in your life and have your heart transformed. So three steps. The three steps are read, ponder, and pray. Read, ponder, and pray upon Scripture. So number one, read. You're going to want to read a passage of Scripture. That's where it starts. Christian meditation always starts in the Bible. And so um, you want to choose a passage of Scripture. A good place to start for you can be in the Psalms. The Psalms are essentially the the Christian songbook, pr- Christian prayer book, the, the main book of the Bible uh, with its purpose to be used for meditation. And so the Psalms are a great place to start. So you can start with the Psalms or you can start with... Um, uh, maybe a narrative, whether it is a narrative section from the Gospels, um, perhaps a narrative section from Genesis, uh, or uh, or maybe something from something else from the New Testament in Paul's letters or in some of the other letters. If you do want to start with something that is not the Psalms, I would just as my recommend, recommendation if you if this is new for you, I'd recommend starting with something in the New Testament. It's more likely to be a little bit easier for you to understand and to see the uh the implications and whatnot from that just my little bit of advice so you choose a passage so it's either a psalm maybe a section of a psalm or a one of the stories out of the life of jesus from the gospels and you read that you're going to want to read it multiple times you're going to want to chew the cud read it slowly and as you read it think about the implications of that truth the implications of what that story or what that psalm, what Paul is saying in his letter, what it means for your life, and then write those things down. I think it would be really beneficial for you to be uh, to have your journal open or a notepad open and write down the things that you're thinking as you're reading through the passage, as you are uh, chewing the cud, as you're trying to understand it, as you're trying to ask what it means for your life and what it means for your heart. Ask questions about it as you're reading through it. But once again, meditation starts with a deep, active pondering upon the Word of God. So the first step is reading. And then the second step is the, the pondering, the, the, the core of the meditation practice. Let me give you what Martin Luther recommended for meditating upon Scripture. So Martin Luther's system was this, was to, uh, like I said before, start with your passage. And then what you do is this. He says, Write down what the passage says in your own words. So you can start with just copying down the verse that you're meditating upon straight out of the Bible. Uh, that can be helpful for you in understanding it. So you could copy out the verse in your own, own hand and then rewrite what that verse is saying in your own words in your own hand. So you write down what the passage says 
And then you ask three questions from that passage. This is where uh, meditation comes in and meditation turns into prayer with God. You ask the first question, how does this truth lead me to praise God? Secondly, what sins do I need to confess in light of this truth? Third, what do I need to ask God for in light of this truth? So you've read your passage, deeply engaged upon it, determined what the passage is saying, and then based off that, asked, how does this truth lead me to praise God? What sins do I need to confess in light of this truth? And what do I need to ask God for in light of this truth? Let me give you an example of how that could work. Let's say that you're reading a passage and you determine that what the passage is saying, or maybe just one of the things that the passage is saying, is that God is our Father. And so this is the truth that you're meditating upon in whatever context of scripture you're reading it, that God is our father. And so you write out that uh, how it is saying that God is our father. And then for the first question, how does this truth lead me to praise God? Which you, maybe what you can do is list out all the reasons that he is a great father, that he is a good father. Um, and maybe all the ways that you've seen him uh, act like a father in your life. The second question for you to go through then will be, what sins do I need to confess in light of this passage? And so maybe what you could do is then uh, meditate on and think about what are some ways that I've been living in my life where I've not been acting as though God is my father in, in whatever ways those might be. Figure out ways that you are not treating God as a good father to you and ways that you have not been acting as if he is your good father. And then the last thing for what do I need to ask God for in light of this truth? You can determine what you need to ask him for in light of him being your father. Uh, it, it might be for him to help you with the doubt that you feel that he is your father. You may, maybe you doubt his love. Maybe you, um, you are prone to forget that he is a father who loves you. And so you ask for his help with that. Maybe you realize that you have some, uh, you've been struggling to act like his child. And so you pray for help to act in that way. Uh, but whatever it might be. But you see, you read through the passage and then you meditate upon it. You actively ponder on it through asking yourself those three questions. And then in this process, you, um, you, are, you are taking this deep engagement of the mind and hopefully also of the heart and then bringing it up in prayer to God. Because that is the goal. Not just that you have a good journaling exercise, but that in your reading, in your meditating you are experiencing the presence of God, and then this meditation is turning into a deep and intimate time of prayer with God. When you do this and it works, it will set your heart on fire. I know this from my own life, that my prayers, whenever I am uh, praying without scripture or just, uh, just off the cuff, compared to my prayers, whenever I'm praying with the Bible, meditating on a passage of scripture, there's often, not always, God can work through any prayer, but there's often a vast difference in my, uh, in the degree to which I experience the presence of God, and especially the degree to which I experience some sort of spiritual insight, whether it be just seeing something about God that I hadn't seen before, uh, seeing something anew that I had forgotten, uh, sin in my life being revealed to me, or maybe just a very sweet moment of uh, the consolation of God's love when I'm going through a hard time or I'm down and I just need his love and presence. Uh, 
the greatest times of experiencing God and growing in my faith have always been in times of meditating through scripture. And so let me encourage you to try doing this, to try doing it and just see how God can set your heart aflame whenever you meditate on his word. Now, even if you practice this and it doesn't necessarily set your heart aflame immediately, you, you, you try it, you practice it, and you don't necessarily experience God, it doesn't mean that you quit. It just means you need to keep going. You need to keep practicing it until God does meet you in that time. Sometimes he might meet you immediately. Other times he might want you to practice. It's all according to remember his good will. Remember what Luther said as well. He said, with practice, one can learn how to take scripture and use it as a pocket lighter to set the heart of flame. Like I said before, try to start doing this either with the Psalms or with a passage from the New Testament. And over time, as you practice it, you'll become like that tree in Psalm chapter one, where living in a hostile and chaotic world in the midst of it, because you have roots that are planted deeply into the flowing streams of scripture, you are able to thrive and able to flourish. Flourishing, bringing fruit in times of um, scarcity, perhaps, for the benefit of yourself, but also for the benefit of others. Because whenever a tree bears fruit, it's bearing good things for others as well. So thank you for listening to this or watching this episode. I would encourage you to check out the show notes, which are linked here, um, where we're going to have highlights from this episode and also several resources for you if you'd like to continue studying and digging into uh, this topic a little bit more deeply. So make sure you check out those show notes. Thank you so much for joining us. If you found this episode helpful, would you consider uh, rating it, subscribing, and especially even sharing this show with your friends? It really helps us to get the word out and, uh, and continue doing what we do here at Filter. I just want to thank you once again for joining us. I'm Aaron Champ, and you have been listening to Filter.